All right, I think we are ready to roll here today. It is good to have you here. Welcome to everybody who is online with us today. It's great that you're here with us as well. Uh, for everybody who is online with us, hey, in people who are in the house, let's make some noise and welcome our online community today. Say good morning to them. We got part of the family everywhere. It's a really good thing. Uh, welcome to Call with Church. My name is Sean. I am one of the pastors here on this team, and it's great that you are here with us today. Uh, one piece of housekeeping that I, I just want to bring to our attention. If you are a member of our church, like you've, you've been a member, you've signed on a dotted line with us that way, part of being the voice, you will notice that this week I sent a message to you uh, via email about a reaffirmation of membership as we're looking to see um, what is happening in the life of this church. And so perhaps you may have missed that. So check your junk email if you are a member, but please respond to those moments. And we've noticed this about our church in the last eight to 10 months. We have received many new people. How many of you are thankful for new people in our church? I love it. So excited. And we're going to be talking to you about what does membership mean in perhaps that next step for your journey with us as well. And we'll get over that in, in the next couple of weeks, and we're excited to definitely do that. This morning, I'm excited that you're here as we continue our series, Not As It Seems. It's a, it's a dive into the book of Revelation, and we're going to look at that together. And I'm going to do that by talking to us today about ambulatory parasomnia. You ready to go? And... Uh, this, this is great. I mean, this is known as the phenomena of sleepwalking. Have you ever seen somebody sleepwalk before? All right, are they sitting beside you? Don't put your hand up. Okay, but it's, it's that idea of people who are apparently dead asleep. They decide that they're going to get out of their bed and go on and do a whole lot of stuff and wander around. Now, for some people, this is a little bit problem. It's problematic. I mean, we've, I've heard people who their child has opened the front door and walked out to the street, like tons of things. We had one of these um, ambulatory parasomnia moments in our uh, family's uh, past, and, uh, and it just so happened that one night this, this young man decided to, to walk, to get up out of his bed asleep and decided then to make his way to the kitchen where he began to wander around wondering what was going on and we saw and we wanted to know what was what was happening what was happening to him and he walks over to the dishwasher and he begins to proceed to pee on the dishwasher <laughs> full on like we're watching this it's like what's going on and i know i keep using he this is not for my immediate family okay that's not okay let's not put that together he pees, he finishes up, he kind of walks back to his room and he crawls into bed and he goes to sleep. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing and what I was seeing, but this is a real deal for a lot of people in our world today. In fact, four to 10% of the population will actually fall under this phenomenon of sleepwalking. But this is what sleepwalking is. It's when our bodies are, are temporarily paralyzed to prevent it from acting out the dream. Like that's what's happening when people are in these states. Their body becomes paralyzed, and so they continue with the dream, although they're sleeping. They're now acting it out in front of people, perhaps. We've also, as we look at the science of it, we'll see that there is a switching error that has occurred in the brain, which is making these individuals act these things out while they're sleeping, and yet they have no hot clue what is taking place in their lives. 
And I want to propose to us today that perhaps many of us here in this room, we're really good at sleepwalking spiritually. So we want to investigate that today as we look at the book of Revelation and what Jesus has to say. Now, we're turning our attention to the next church that Jesus wanted to talk to, Sardis. It also happens to be the shortest of the messages to the churches. How many of you are excited about that? So that I don't have to preach long today. Come on, somebody. This is good news. That's too much cheering. Okay. Uh, but this is what it says. Six short verses. But it says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. And this is the message from the one who holds the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. We've talked about these seven stars in chapter one, how Jesus holds them in his hand, the angels who stand in charge over these churches. But this is what he says to Sardis. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but guess what? You're dead. Thank you, Jesus. That's so encouraging today. He says, wake up. It's time to strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. So go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to that firmly. Repent. Somebody say repent because here it is again. Repent. Repent and turn to me again. So if you're dead today, Jesus is saying repent and come back to me. And if you don't wake up, I'm going to come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief, a thief in the night. Yet there are some in the church of Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And all who are victorious will be clothed in white. And I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Will you pray with me as we've read the word of the Lord together today? Father, again, we stand in this space and time, and we are asking for your help. I thank you for the admonition from your word today that says, if anybody has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. So not my voice, not my words, although I know you'll use me in these moments to communicate, but may we hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us individually and then corporately even as a church. Teach us, I pray. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. come on, everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm going to speak to us from the subject, which comes from Gerhard Krodel. I just really like this. But the subject title today is Ecclesiastical Sleepwalking. And for those of you who are like, Ecclesi what? Ecclesiastical sleepwalking, meaning that if you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you call yourself a believer, a Christian. And what it's talking about is who are the Christians who are perhaps sleepwalking today? So we're going to investigate this together. So Jesus comes out swinging in this letter to the church of Sardis. All of our other communication to the other churches have started with a positive affirmation from Jesus, but he doesn't do that with the church of Sardis. He cuts right to the chase, he brings them reality, and he says, you are absolutely dead. Okay, Jesus, there's something to pay attention to here, so what, what is it? 
Now, Sardis was a wealthy city. They had an incredible amount of money that flooded into their walls. Because of that, there was a softness and a luxury to their lifestyle. There was an apathetic culture to who they were. And we know that immorality ran rampant through their community. In fact, this, the city of Sardis was an acropolis. What an acropolis is, is that it is a city on a hill. This is a literal picture today of the acropolis of Sardis. You would know that in order to attack or to conquer Sardis, you would have to come to the base of these mountains. You would have to ascend these mountains to get back to the beautiful and the bounty that was behind it. So Sardis was this incredible fortress of strength. But we also will read in history that twice in their existence, Sardis was conquered. People ascended the walls of that mountain and they threw down the city. And so it's important for us to see today that by sneak attack, they let go of their guard. That was physically. But Jesus spiritually is looking at them now and he's saying, you're dead. Like there are things about you that are no longer good. We would combine that with the church of Thyatira and their compromise. And we addressed this recently, how we have a church in North America have compromised many things when it comes to our own faith. And we've surrendered that, where we have accommodated cultural systems, society's ways of thinking, and we've allowed things in our own lives to slide. And what that has done is that it has created an intimacy lost with Jesus Christ. How do I know this? Well, you ask yourself, how intimate are you with Jesus Christ these days? And that's something that you get to wrestle with here. William Barclay said this about the city of Sardis. The great characteristic of Sardis was that even on pagan lips, Sardis was a name of contempt. Its people were notoriously loose living, notoriously pleasure and luxury loving. Sardis was a city of the decadence. And it is here in this text where Jesus looks at Sardis and all of these descriptors of them. He looks at them and he says, man, you sure got a cool reputation of being alive. The interesting part is that a lot of people would have looked at this church in this city and they would have been completely excited because they had this reputation of being alive. I mean, there were activities and there were moments, there were committees and events, there were beach and baptisms with hypothermia and party in the park. And there were a lot of things that people looked at their church and they were like, "Whoa, this is absolutely incredible. And Jesus looks at them and he says, although this incredible reputation of being alive, you're dead. And what he is saying to this church is that you're just going through the motions. Have you ever gone through the, emotion, through the motions before with anything? I think we know what this language is when Jesus talks to the church of Sardis. We know motions. We all do it. We've done it. Perhaps you're doing it today. But he talks about their reputation. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever considered your reputation? Ever thought about that before? What's my reputation? An old commercial will show this, this little boy, about eight, nine years old. He's walking out to the baseball field. He's got one bat in his hand, 
hunkered over the side of his shoulder. He's got a bucket of balls. And as he's walking to the mouth, or he's walking to the field, he's like, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He's going he's gonna to make an example. So he, he takes his bat and he picks up one ball. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He throws that ball up and he swings through. And the ball hits the floor. And he's like, strike one. He's all by himself too, but he's having this great commentary. He's like, come on. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. So he picks up the ball again. He throws it up, and sure enough, here it comes. Bat! No. Strike two, he says to himself. And now he's getting a little bit annoyed, all by himself on the baseball field. Spits into his hand, <laughs> wipes it together. I am the greatest hitter of the world. And then the music is cued on this commercial. And you know full well that this little guy, he's going to pick up that ball. He picks it up. I'm the greatest hitter of the world. And sure enough, he throws that thing and he swings through it. And the ball falls to the floor. Strike three, he cries out. And he looks disgusted with himself. And he sits there and he starts to contemplate. I thought I was the greatest hitter in the world, greatest hitter in the world. And then a smile comes to this kid's face, bright smile. He's like, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> reputation, thinking, opinion. We know this about reputation. Reputation is often what people think about you. So let me ask you, have you considered your reputation lately? When people look at you, What's the reputation that you are giving to them? See, Jesus with this church of Sardis, he slices right through their reputation, which is the external. I look good. I've got all these toys. I think my life is all together. External reputation. Jesus goes right through all of it, and he's like, I'm going to get to the heart of the matter, and he addresses something internal, and it became their character. To do this, Jesus would use another story that comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 25. And he's talking about people who have faith. He's talking about these religious leaders and, and these people who thought they had all their stuff together, but he calls them out in quite a way uh, similar to Sardis, and where he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and, the, and you Pharisees? You're hypocrites. For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're absolutely filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. And Jesus doubles down. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites again. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, these graveyards, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What Jesus is trying to do with Sardis, what he is doing with these teachers and religious people, what he is doing with Colwood Church today is he is saying your outward impression, your reputation, yes, it matters a little bit, but it is not the be-all, end-all of what he wants for us because he wants the inward deterioration of the filth and nonsense that are inside of us all. He wants to look at your inside to affect your outside. But Sardis had a reputation of being alive. And I wonder if, and I'm guilty of this, if we have some pretty cool reputations represented in the room and online today, and Jesus is saying, but inside you're dead. 
and it's filthy, and I want to do something with it. The truth is that character takes years to build. Reputation, it can be established overnight, actually. It can happen very quickly. I could prove that in many ways, which I'm not going to do right now, but it can happen. You know, I've heard this saying that reputation can get you to the room, but only character will keep you there. And I love what David Guzik says. He says that a good reputation is no guarantee of true spiritual character. Do you have a reputation today of being alive? And what would Jesus say, though, to your character, to your internal, to your intimacy and relationship with him? See, Sardis is going through the motions. They're playing church. And the intimacy with Jesus is gone. They are ecclesiastical sleepwalking. They are dead. And going through the motions. What are these motions? I think many of us know what these motions are. It could be anything from prayer, reading your Bible. It could be standing here in this room today, and as we sang a lot of songs, you sang the songs, and yet you didn't mean them. You just sang them because the person beside you is doing it, someone else is looking at you, and if I don't, maybe they'll kick me out, which we wouldn't. We go through the motions, perhaps when it comes to our habits, disciplines that should be there with Jesus. And sometimes, believe this or not, in our lives, we become so dead on the inside and apathetic that we go through the motions too. And Jesus and thankful for him today, has the audacity to say to Sardis, you're dead. And it reminds us today because the danger of the ritualistic religion is that it may promote spiritual sleepwalking. And religious activism often masks the sleepwalking. In Ezekiel chapter 37, there's this beautiful story of God speaking to what was a prophet called Ezekiel. And what happens in the book of Ezekiel is this. It says that God took Ezekiel and he was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody say Spirit. Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. And they were, these bones were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. They were dead. And then he asked Ezekiel, can these bones become living people again? See, Jesus, as we've learned, he's got eyes of fire, which means he sees it all. He sees our good and he sees our bad. He sees our reputation and he also sees the character. He sees your external. He knows your internal. He sees it all. And with Sardis, with Colwood Church, what he did with Israel is he sees that there are dry bones existent in his church. And he wants to say and do something with that. I love what George Kerr also would say in, about Sardis. Sardis, the one with the reputation of being alive, was the perfect model of inoffensive Christianity. Let that sink in. See, Jesus calls you and I to a completely different set of standard of living in this world. 
And is our church become so inoffensive that people look at us and like, what's the difference between you and me? You do what I do, you say what I say, you cheat the way I do. Have we become so inoffensive in our faith like Sardis was? Call a church, I'm asking you today, could this be us? Is this you? Have you lost that intimacy, that relationship with Jesus? Where your reputation appears to be alive, but you're completely dying on the inside. And oftentimes our pride stands in the way of that. Because I can't admit my weakness. What Jesus is asking of Sardis is something he's asking of us today. Will you humbly acknowledge are you dry are there dead things in your life are you ecclesiastical sleepwalking today so jesus drops that hammer on them on us but he wants to also move us to action steps and that's what i love about jesus he's like although you may be these things here are some things that you could do so I'm going to give you four of them that come from the text of Revelation, and we're going to continue with the direction here today. Number one, he just says this, wake up! And in the Greek, this word wake up means to watch, to give strict attention to, to be cautious. You see, what Jesus is asking of the church of Sardis, and for us today, is it's time to wake up. If you have become dead, if you are sleepwalking, if you are dry, wake up. I want you to become watchmen. I want you to become watchwomen. I want you to stand on guard for the things that you've allowed to pollute your life and give it back to me and stand on guard for the things that I have for you. So Jesus' first thing is like, I just need you to wake up. I want you to see this because when the impregnable Acropolis of Sardis it fell twice in its history. It shouldn't have been done, but it did. And what Jesus is drawing as a picture of connection for us is although they physically fell, spiritually, you and I have this ability to fall away and to allow things in our life to suck away the intimacy in the relationship that Jesus demands and wants of us. Jesus is saying, I need you to stand on guard. I need you to fight with everything that you have. And Jesus tells a cool story in Matthew chapter 25 about 10 virgins to kind of help compensate even where we are looking at in Revelation chapter 3 today. 10 virgins. And they're waiting for the bridegroom. And it says that there are five wise ones and there are five foolish ones. And the bridegroom, which is a picture of Jesus coming, took his time which kind of feels like where we're at in this world today, right? We're waiting for Jesus to return and we're that bridegroom. And the picture is this, are you the wise virgin or are you the foolish one? What happens is a bell chimes or whatever it is and it indicates that the bridegroom has come back and the wise virgins get up that night and they put oil into their lamps, they light the lamp and they are ready to go with the bridegroom. The same foolish virgins wake up. They realize, I've got no oil for my lamp. What do I do? So they look to the wise ones. Can we have some of your oil? They're like, nope. And then all of a sudden over here, these foolish ones are like, we got to go to the store. We got to go get some oil. And as they go to the store, the bridegroom comes, takes the wise ones. They go to the bridegroom's banquet and they close the door and the foolish ones are left out. And the point of the story is this. Jesus is coming back. 
And he is going to take with him those who are wise, that were alert, that were in intimacy and relationship with him. And those of us who have slept walked, those of us who are dead and dry, we run the risk today of not being ready for the bridegroom. I don't like to hear that. I don't care. That's what the Bible is telling us today. Like this is serious to Jesus. He is saying, I need you to be ready, to have the oil, to have the intimacy. And if you do not have these things, as he is communicated in Revelation, he is going to come like a thief in the night. Being left behind is a reality for people today. I know that that's not an easy thing to swallow. But when I look at the lens of Scripture, it is a reality. Jesus is looking for those who are ready who are in intimacy with him, who love him. The second thing he says, I want you to strengthen what remains, which is unique today because you may be feeling completely lifeless today, that you have died spiritually inside, but listen to what he is saying. He says, strengthen what remains, which means this, there's still a glimmer of hope there. There is still a spark to work with. There is still a flame that he could light again if you allow him to do that in your life. It is an acknowledgement of Jesus. My flame, is, it feels gone. It feels like it is snuffed out. But he is saying, I can and I will. And what he is saying is, I want you to make stable again. I want you to set fast. I want you to fix yourself on the fact that I can do something in you. The third thing he says to us is, I want you to go back. I want you to remember and I want you to hold firmly to the things that you have, which I love this. He's saying, call back to mind the things that I have done in you before. And if you have never experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ, that may not happen too easily for you, but it has to start somewhere. But for those of us who have relationship with Jesus, you've been a part of this story for quite a long time. He's saying, call back to mind the things that happened in that first love when you were excited and when you were ready to go with me. Call it back and watch what happens happens. And today you may be here and you're thinking like I am dry in places. There are bones of my life that have just, when it comes to Jesus, they're, they, they feel so non-existent. Or perhaps you're just outright dead, not physically, spiritually. Or maybe you're sleepwalking today. And Jesus gives one more thing, the fourth point. He says, repent. All of this means is Jesus saying, I see you. I know that this is hard. You may have made some choices. You may have brought cultural accommodations into your life, but all you got to do is repent. And look at what it says. Have a change of mind. Change your stinking thinking is how it would come across. Let your mind be changed. Repent. Turn to him. Let me ask us. What cultural accommodations have you made that have taken away the intimacy with Jesus Christ? What are the things that you've allowed to sift you that you know are not right? Society has pushed certain things, but you know it's not right for me. What accommodations have you made? Because Jesus also does encourage us in this text. He says this, that there are some of those in the church of Sardis, and there are some of us in the church of Colwood. And he says that you have not soiled your clothes with evil. So it's possible to walk this life with Jesus 
and not have to give in to the cultural accommodations that are around us. He believes that over us. And he says that these people are going to walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And all who are victorious will be called in white. Why white? White, again, in the book of Revelation is a sign of purity. What Jesus is saying is when you repent, this color exchange happens, black to white. Like, this, this is what is happening. I want to make you pure again. I want to make this relationship with you flow. And it's got to have a lot of expectancy and fun in it. But it is this exchange. So repent and watch the white come to life. I love what Jesus does that or how he does that. So he gives us four things that we could do. So here's the ask today. Are you sleepwalking? Is there a part of your spiritual life today that is dry? Or are you just outright dead spiritually? Who are you? He gives you four steps of what you could do, but here is the link to it all. Here is the point that we cannot miss today if you are in those spaces or places today. And to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to tell you what it is. Go ahead, come with me. In chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, there are bookends to what he is trying to communicate. I don't know if you caught it at the very beginning, but Jesus says he describes himself in each of these letters. So he takes us back to chapter 1, and he wants to remind Sardis of one thing. And he says this, that he is the person who has the sevenfold spirit of God in his hand. So Sean, are you telling me today that there are seven spirits of God? No. Because we have learned that the number seven in the book of Revelation means what? Completeness. Fullness. Done. What Jesus is communicating to Sardis, hey, Sardis, you dead church, reputation of being alive. Guess what? I hold the sevenfold spirit in my hand, the complete spirit of God. He is God and he is able to set your life on fire and he is able to bring that intimacy and relationship back to you. That is what he is communicating to them. Guess what? In all of the chaos of your life, I am still he who holds all power and all might. And guess what he says? He wants to then place that upon you and I today. He finishes chapter 6 and he says, with anyone who has ears to hear what the who is saying? Spirit. Which means Jesus is trying to communicate again to Sardis. Listen, guys. Where is the Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit of God in your life? And I know that I read a text out of Ezekiel today to us about the Valley of Dry Bones and I want to do something here with us today. Because if you didn't catch it, it says that Ezekiel was carried away by who? By the Spirit of the Lord to the Valley of Dry Bones. And God looks at him and he says, listen, can these bones, can these dead things, dry places come to life again? And Ezekiel says, like, I don't know, only you know that, God. And this is what God says to him. Then he says, okay, man, I want you to speak a prophetic message to these bones and say this, dry bones? Listen to the word of the Lord. Do not listen to this culture and what it is trying to do to you. Listen to the word of the Lord. Allow the Spirit of God to infuse Himself into who you are. Why? For the power of witness to this world. 
What Jesus is saying to us today, church, is that the reputation of being alive, those days are done. He's not interested in the reputation. He's interested in your character and your intimacy with who he is. And today what he wants to say to you is maybe, maybe you've let some things slip. Maybe today you're sleepwalking. Maybe today there's some dry places inside. Or perhaps you are dead. He's saying, I want to breathe upon you today. I want to place my spirit upon you. I want you to know that you can come to life. And so this is what it says. Speak that word over them, prophet. I want you to speak. And he says, I'm going to put breath into you. And I'm going to make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Do you want to know the word of the Lord today? Do you want to know the Lord in your life today? Because to do that, he wants to place his spirit upon you. On the screens, you're going to read Ezekiel chapter 26, 36 verse 26. This is what it says. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you. So that you will follow my decrees. And to be careful to obey my regulations. Do you have a stony heart today? Do you have a stubborn heart? Has the love grown grown cold? Are you sleepwalking? I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit of God wants to pour himself upon you today. So with all eyes closed in this place, from top to bottom, side to side, I'm going to invite you, if you are sleepwalking today, I'm going to invite you if you are dry in places of your spirituality. I'm going to invite you if you just feel dead and I have no relationship right now with Jesus at the sound of my voice. If that is you, and you need the person, the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus to breathe upon you today, I'm gonna encourage you right now to move out of your seat and to come to this front right now. Do not allow your pride to stand in the way today. Allow his humility. So if that is you today, come on, I'm waiting for somebody to move today. If that is you, Would you come and find a place up here with Jesus? And our worship team is going to sing over us about the person of the Holy Spirit. We learned last week that it was Pentecost Sunday. This is the marker of the people of God. And so if you are moving and you are coming, ask the Holy Spirit right now to pour himself upon you. That's what I'm asking. The rest of us, I want you to begin to worship with Naomi and the team. I want you to pray this reality of the Spirit of God over people who are dry, who feel like there could be sleepwalking tendencies. But will you begin to just take some time today to call the power, the person of the Holy Spirit, so that he will come and have his way. So church, let's begin to sing today and begin to worship him. Call upon his name. And some of our pastors are going to come pray with you if you are at the front. So don't be alarmed by that, but we're going to pray over you. But church, will you begin to worship the Holy Spirit of God? Ask for him to come into this place do what he does. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. 
just begin to call on him today in this place. He is the living hope for dead bones, for dry bones. And he wants to pour himself upon you. He does. Lift your hands to him and ask for that posture. I need you, Spirit of God. I want you. Come on. Ask him. It's undone. There is no shame or guilt in him. But change. Hope. And life. Pastors, why don't you begin to pray over people today? Come on, sing. Holy Spirit.
church, make this your prayer today. We do not want to be a dead church. We want to be alive. Alive. that you have a a reputation for being alive I'm not going to lie to you I want that I want to be alive I want people to be able to look at Sean Chapman and say there's something different about that guy I want people to be able to look at you and say there's something different that reputation but Jesus he digs just a little bit deeper doesn't he today it's just not about looking good It's about getting on our knees in front of him and saying, Jesus, I need you. I want my community to know my reputation as reputable of a man who loves his God, his family, and his neighbor. But Jesus wants my character. He wants my internal. And that's what he's asking of us today as we've looked at this text together. And he wants to do that by infusing us with his spirit. And that is the differential in this world. Let's be a church that meets its community's needs. But let's be a people who walk personally with their Savior. And may we not ever separate that. May we stop our sleepwalking. And may we wake up and be watchmen, to stand on guard, to say no to the cultural accommodations that we have made, and to say, Jesus, I need you. And his promise to you today as you walk into this week is that I will breathe upon you, my spirit. I will allow you to be able to stand. I will go before you, behind you, beside you. I will see you through. And so today, Colwood Church, walk out of here with that confidence. May you this week daily raise your hands and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this space right here and let me walk the ways that you need because he wants to do that. Church, we love you. We hope that you have a fantastic week and that you will wake up and no longer sleepwalk. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week as we continue our series, Not As It Seems. We love you. And if you are new today, 
Go see Pastor James in the Welcome Center. We'd love to say hello to you. We'll see you next week.